0: plushcare.com slash weight loss Welcome to Previously On a podcast series created to help you through some of the most complex yet brilliant television ever made Peaky Blinders Season 1 Welcome to the heart of Birmingham, 1919. A smartly dressed young man in a flat cap coolly rides a black racehorse down a cobbled terrace street as residents quickly get out of his way. This man is Thomas Shelby, very important character alert, a member of the notorious Peaky Blinders gang. So cool because they wear caps with razor blades stitched into the peaks that double up as their weapons. He's joined in the streets by a man and young Chinese girl who performs some ancient magic involving blowing red dust into the face of the horse intended to help him win an upcoming race. Before leaving, Thomas announces the name of the horse, Monaghan Boy, and the time of the meet as a tip for the residents who watch from afar. He then rides away as cool as he arrived, which is very cool. Arriving back at the family home, he throws open double doors and walks into the Shelby's backroom bookmakers, which is a hive of activity. More important introductions should be made here. We first meet John Shelby, a younger brother to Thomas, and then Arthur Shelby, the eldest and at this point the angriest of the three. Arthur's furious that Thomas was trying to fix a race, pointing out that if he gets found out, they can't go up against both the Chinese gangs and Billy Kimber, who's an even more notorious crime boss. Before Thomas leaves, Arthur says he's got news from Belfast and is calling a family meeting. We cut to a train. On board, Chief Inspector Campbell scans files containing information on the Shelby brothers, including both criminal and war records. The documents name Arthur as leader of the Peaky Blinders. Elsewhere, known communist Freddie Thorne is passionately rallying workers at the Birmingham Small Arms Company to strike in the face of a proposed pay cut. Back on the train, he's also in one of the documents being read by Campbell. Later on in the local alehouse called the Garrison, Freddie joins Thomas at the bar. There's a tangible tension between the pair. Freddy informs Thomas that he's heard news of communication from Winston Churchill himself and has been sent from London to the local Birmingham police regarding a robbery of national significance and that both his and Thomas's name are on a list. Commotion, toppled tables and broken glass suddenly erupts from the garrison door as a man flails and panics while enduring a flashback to the war. Thomas and Freddy manage to subdue him and talk him back to reality. The man, Danny Whizbang asks if he did it again. John Shelby walks from an alleyway straight into a woman pointing a gun at his head. She then slaps him and gives him a right good telling off for having a loaded gun that his brother Finn, the youngest Shelby brother and still a child, was playing with. This force of nature is Polly Gray, the Shelby boy's auntie and an integral part of the blinders. Later, at the meeting, all the family are present, including Ada Shelby, the only sister to the boys. Arthur instructs everyone that a policeman in Belfast was seen recruiting men to come to Birmingham and clean the city of its criminal element. Meanwhile, Campbell arrives. Polly meets Thomas in an empty church and asks what he's hiding. He tells her he asked his men to steal some bikes, but that the men accidentally picked up the wrong crate and inside was a huge cache of guns and ammunition. Polly hits him for being so stupid, telling him he'll hang if he gets caught selling them and then demands he dumps them somewhere the police will find them. Thomas agrees. Ada meets her boyfriend, Freddy, in secret. A young Irish woman walks into the garrison looking for a bar job. The landlord Harry informs her that's not a good idea as she's too pretty for the men they get in there. She begins to clean up, singing beautifully as she does so, and Grace Burgess lands the job from a dumbstruck Harry. Campbell briefs the Birmingham police force on just what a serious man he is and what a disgrace the city is. He declares he's going to clean the place up and is joined by a group of equally serious-looking Irishmen to aid him. Arthur's in the cinema with a couple of women when he's dragged out by the police. Back at the station, he gets savagely beaten. Campbell enters the room, pushes Arthur's hair from his eyes, then punches him square on the nose. He asks Arthur about the robbery, but when Arthur says he knows nothing, Campbell breaks his thumb. He tells Arthur he can see the Shelby family killed, or they can help each other. At the garrison, Thomas meets Grace and is less than friendly. Harry warns her to steer clear of him. Ada, Polly and John are cleaning Arthur's wounds back at home when Thomas joins them. Arthur mentions the robbery, saying Campbell wants their help as his eyes and ears... He thinks it seems a good idea, but is on his own. In his bedroom, Thomas smokes opium from a pipe. Asleep, he dreams of being back in the tunnels in the war, seeing Freddy and Danny Whizbang, then a struggle as they're attacked. He wakes up wide-eyed and breathless. The next day, Danny Whizbang is having another episode as he walks the streets. He sits outside an Italian cafe and is told to leave, but he doesn't seem to hear. The Italian owner pulls a knife, but Danny grabs it, kills him and runs. Campbell meets the Secretary of State, Winston Churchill. Churchill tells Campbell the guns must be kept from the news. Every bullet accounted for and any bodies that need burying should be deep. The guns in question are being loaded onto a barge at Charlie Strong's yard ready for dumping when Thomas tells Charlie he's changed his mind and has got an alternative plan which is to ship the guns to a nearby lockup used for cigarettes. Charlie thinks he's playing with fire but Thomas is adamant. At an art gallery Campbell meets Grace and we learn she's an undercover agent working for the police. She tells him it's Thomas, not Arthur, who runs the blinders. She also says she believes the IRA have the guns, not the Shelby's or the Communists. At the canal, two members of the Italians stand on the opposite bank from Thomas and Danny Wisbank. Thomas tells Danny to save him from the brutality of the Italians. He's said he'll carry out Danny's execution himself because of the murder at the cafe. Danny asks Thomas to look out for his family and as a canal barge slowly passes, Thomas raises a gun and pulls the trigger. Danny's body falls upon the barge and slowly drifts away. Arthur enters Thomas' office angry again, this time because the horse, Monaghan Boy, won. Thomas appeases him by explaining the plan to have the horse win another race, using the magic dust trick to have more and more betting on the magic horse before it then loses the race and they clean up. Meanwhile, on a barge in the night, a shocked Danny Wisbang is alive and on his way to London to do a job for Thomas. We begin on the road with the Shelby brothers, Thomas, Arthur and John. They're en route to the fair, but make a quick pit stop for some business with the Lees, a gypsy family. Thomas is looking to cut a deal. He allows a man named Johnny Dogs to take a ride in his car in exchange for a horse. Thomas takes offense to a group of men laughing and demands to know if they're laughing at his brother. Johnny intervenes in an attempt to calm the tensions, but when the Shelby boy's mother is called a whore, Thomas sees red. Hmm, fair enough. Swinging his cap, he slices a Lee man's face with the razor blades. Arthur and John join the fray, caps in hand, as they begin to cut through the lees with blade and fist. Back in Birmingham, Inspector Campbell and a group of mounted police brutally storm the homes of residents in a terraced street. Ada and Fred are warned about the imminent interruption and scarper over a wall at the rear of Freddy's house. However, in Freddy's bedroom, the police find a prescription made out to Ada. Freddy secures Ada with a neighbour and tells her he'll have to leave town for a while. Polly's at church when Campbell joins her. She lights candles, telling him they're for the boys from the garrison who lost their lives fighting in France, then jabs at the inspector when stating she hears he didn't make it to France. Campbell brings his natural menace to the fore and pushes Polly back, but she kisses him and throws him off guard. He opens a side door and tells the entering police to turn the church upside down as they search for the stolen guns. Before leaving, he lets on that he knows Thomas is the boss of the Peaky Blinders. The boys arrive back from the fair and are told the police have spread a rumour that the blinders left town so the raids could take place. Thomas also hears that a number of pubs that pay for protection have been turned over. When alone, Polly questions Thomas about the guns and tells him Campbell wants to meet. Thomas says he must first strike back at the inspector. A huge bonfire is lit in the centre of the street as pictures of the king are burned and a local reporter called to cover the event. Thomas tells the reporter that it's not the people but the police who are disloyal to the king and the residents don't want their king to see the things that are being done to them. He informs the reporter the new coppers from Belfast are breaking into homes, attacking women and the fire is to raise the alarm. At his desk at midnight, Campbell receives an unexpected call from Winston Churchill, furious about the fire. He demands Campbell gets results in the hunt for the stolen guns. The next morning, Polly realises Ada's pregnant. After getting the news confirmed, Ada tells Polly the father has gone away, but he'll return. At Charlie's yard, Thomas is given a bullet with his name scratched into it, a declaration of war passed on by the Lee clan. As Thomas walks his new horse through the streets, he's approached by Grace, she asks him for permission to sing at the garrison one night a week. He offers her the chance to earn some extra money by accompanying him to the Cheltenham races. In the Shelby's home, bets are pouring in for Monaghan boy, the magic horse. Polly informs Thomas of Ada's situation. He finds her at the cinema and demands to know the father's name. She refuses, so he cuts the film short and kicks everyone out. Ada admits the baby's dad is Freddie Thorne. Back at the Shelby's, Polly is fuming that Thomas fixed a horse race without the go-ahead from notorious gangster Billy Kimber. She then hands him a letter from Ada for Freddie and suggests giving him a chance. Thomas refuses, demanding Polly tell Ada if Freddie has gone to America. Collie tries to talk Ada into getting rid of the baby and hands her the card of a woman in Cardiff who'll carry out the abortion. Thomas and Inspector Campbell meet at a very swanky hotel to talk. Campbell presents Thomas with Ada's prescription found in Freddie's bedroom, telling him Freddie is at the top of his hit list. Thomas attempts to cut a deal where the police leave all of the Shelby's businesses alone, then drops the bombshell that he has the guns Campbell desperately seeks. He says should he be arrested, the guns are shipped to Belfast and sold to the IRA, but should Thomas achieve his goals, the location of the guns will be given and Campbell will be a hero. With little room to manoeuvre, Campbell agrees and the deal is sealed without a handshake. Campbell meets Grace with the new information, telling her Thomas Shelby is now the focus of the mission. He says she must get close to him and find out where the guns are hidden. He then presents her with a gun of her own and declares her active on behalf of the Crown. Thomas is called from his home by a frantic man named Curly and taken to his new horse. The horse's legs in a bad way and Curly says it's a curse from the Lee clan. Thomas pulls his gun, apologises and shoots the horse in the head, killing it. He goes to the closed garrison and demands a drink from Grace, telling her to stay with him. He informs her he killed his horse because it looked at him the wrong way. The pair share a cigarette and discuss the upcoming race trip. Thomas tells her he knows she never worked in Dublin and guesses she probably got pregnant and left her hometown. Grace is more than happy to play along. She sings for him as the two begin to bond. The following day, Ada is about to board a train when Freddy catches her at the station. He says Thomas got a message to him to get out of town and take Ada with him. Then he drops to one knee and proposes. Ada joyfully accepts. However, Freddy then declares they're not leaving, but will instead stay and marry in Birmingham, because he's not afraid of Tommy Shelby. Hmm. At the garrison, a sing-along is rudely interrupted when Billy Kimber and his machine-gun-armed gang members stroll in and demand to know of a man in there named Shelby. He fires a pistol in the air, repeating the demand as Thomas walks from a back room and sends everyone else home. The Shelby boys sit across from Kimber and his men. He's furious that Thomas fixed the horse race and is keen for blood but Thomas puts an offer on the table where the Shelbys help him bring down the Lee clan, declaring it would be an honour to work with him. Kimber asserts his power by having Thomas pick up a tossed coin for him, then leaves with the deal in place and an arrangement to meet at Cheltenham Races. We begin at the garrison, and Thomas is joined by two members of the IRA who are keen to buy the stolen guns should the Peaky Blinders be in possession of them. As the men talk, Grace listens in from the next room. Having heard the strong Irish accents of the men as they leave, she suggests next time she could translate. Thomas gives her some money to buy a dress for Cheltenham, then mysteriously adds, buy a red one to match his handkerchief. Freddie meets Ada, who's in full wedding gown, the happy couple set off for the church. Campbell receives news from Grace regarding the IRA men at the garrison. Grace herself is outside the Black Swan and follows an IRA man as he staggers away drunk. She tails him down a back alley but he has the element of surprise, grabs her and pulls a gun. She struggles with him firing her own gun stashed in a purse and the man falls down dead as nearby someone unseen watches them from behind twitching curtains. Polly breaks the news to Thomas that Ada and Freddie have married and stayed in the city defying his orders. Thomas is concerned stating he promised Campbell he would run Freddie out of town. Thomas tells Polly she gets Freddie to leave or he deals with it a room in the garrison. Grace is shaken after killing the man. Her new red dress hangs on the wall behind her. Sergeant Moss informs Campbell about the murder and questions whether the woman he has on the inside might be involved. Polly meets Freddie to offer him £200 if he leaves for New York. She tells him he can't handle Thomas. However, Freddie asks to sleep on the offer. Grace meets with Campbell at the art museum. He's unhappy over the death of the IRA man and threatens to pull her from the case. Grace states she's doing a job and Cheltenham races is just around the corner. Thomas and Billy Kimber cross paths once again at the tailor's. Thomas breaks the news to Kimber that the Lee family are planning on hitting Cheltenham and robbing his bookies. Kimber's seemingly unfazed by the news and as Thomas leaves he's told to bring the pretty barmaid to the races with him. A short time later, John makes Thomas aware that Arthur is struggling with post-war depression. Thomas finds his brother in the church where he's feeling out of the loop with family matters after Ada's marriage and the theft of the guns. He demands Tommy tells him about the guns. Tommy explains they had some luck as the weapons landed in their lap. As a big gesture and surprise, Thomas leads Arthur to the garrison and informs him that the pub is now his and they'll use it as a legitimate business to move money around. Outside, Thomas is stopped by Sergeant Moss asking for answers over Freddy's return. He says either Thomas deliver Freddy to them or they take Ada in as an accomplice and she gets prison time. Ada runs down the street and enters the garrison looking for Freddy. Her husband, however, is elsewhere with a gun held to Thomas's head. He gives the £200 back and then asks about the stolen guns. In a moment of lost concentration, Thomas knocks the guns away and pulls his own, leaving the two men in a standoff. Thomas accuses him of getting Ada pregnant because she's a Shelby and will help his cause, but Freddie says he loves her and has done since he was a child. Thomas states the marriage will not stand and leaves. Back home, Thomas informs Polly of the situation with Freddie, Ada and the coppers' threats. As he sleeps, Thomas again flashes back to the tunnels in the war. He, Freddie and Danny Wisbang are together. They hear the chipping of the enemy soldiers closing in. All hell breaks loose and Freddie takes a bullet for Tommy. He's woken by banging on his door. The door opens to the return of Danny Whizbang. Danny says news of the IRA man killed has travelled to London, that the IRA believe the Peaky Blinders responsible and are set to arrive in Birmingham the next day. Thomas tells Danny to explain there's been a misunderstanding and ask for a parley, basically a meeting to discuss the matter. The next morning, Thomas and Grace hit the road for Cheltenham Races. Charlie warns him he needs men if he wants to return alive, but Thomas informs him it'll be just him and Grace. Elsewhere, however, the rest of the Peaky Blinders gang tool up and make their own way to the races with a plan to hit the Lee family. A little toying with the truth, grants Thomas and Grace access to the VIP section of Cheltenham Races, whereas luck would have it, Billy Kimber is also present. Kimber watches as Thomas and Grace dance, taking particular interest in Grace. As a member of the Lee family robs a bookie in the gents, he's suddenly grabbed by John and savagely beaten, including some rather creative razor blade work. Arthur warns him that the Peaky Blinders are in charge now. Later, Arthur drops the money taken from the Lee family to Thomas. Thomas then plants it on the table of Kimber, declaring it rescued from the Lees and asks him to contract the future protection to the Blinders in return for 5% of the take and three legal betting pitches at every race north of the River Severn. Kimber suggests Thomas talk to his accountant while he dances with Grace. Kimber informs Thomas he wants an added condition, that he gets Grace for two hours. Thomas explains to Grace she's to go ahead to Kimber's while he wraps up business here. She's rightly unhappy, but, against her better judgment, goes ahead. At his house, Kimber tries to force himself upon Grace, but is interrupted by Thomas, who bursts in and lies that she has syphilis and is a whore. On the way back to Birmingham, Grace is furious with Thomas, but then questions why he came back to save her. Thomas has no answer. We begin as someone watches the Shelby house from a concealed spot and a young boy sneaks inside. He observes from the shadows as everyone leaves for a meeting at the garrison. A man titled Scudboat is left alone in the house. The young boy opens the front door and a group of armed men from the Lee family walk in. They beat Scudboat and rob the place in retaliation for what happened at Cheltenham. Unaware of the commotion at home, John meets with his brothers and Polly to tell them he's marrying a woman named Lizzie Stark, a well-known local prostitute. His brothers laugh, raising John's anger. He insists they're in love and asks for Tommy's blessing. Before any such blessing is forthcoming, news arrives that the Lees have done over the Shelby house. When they get home, they find the cash is gone and a pair of wire cutters have been left as warning that a wired hand grenade has been planted somewhere. Thomas believes it's meant for him and is planted in his car. When he arrives at the vehicle, he finds his young brother Finn at the wheel and tells him to climb out through the window the same way he got in. However, Finn opens the door and a grenade tumbles out. Acting quickly, Thomas grabs it and launches it away from them. It explodes with a deafening bang, but no casualties. Thomas pays a visit to the Lee family in a bid to reach peace. Speaking to the head of the family, Zilpha, he makes a proposition, explaining he has plans to betray Kimber and he needs the help of the Lee boys. Later, Polly gives Thomas an address that might help him deal with Freddie. Thomas meets Campbell and hands him the address of a Stanley Chapman in place of Freddie Thorne, insisting he's a bigger fish than Thorne and currently holds £200 given to the Communist Party by the Russian government. In exchange for the address, Thomas requests his sister and Freddie are allowed to leave Birmingham. Before leaving, Campbell states Churchill is getting impatient and should the guns not materialise soon, he'll likely be fired and if that happened, he would rain down his fury upon the Shelbys, putting them all in the ground except for young Finn who would be dumped in prison for men who have a taste for young boys. Thomas points his gun at Campbell's back as he leaves, but doesn't shoot. Campbell's officers arrest Chapman and recover the £200. With Chapman in custody, Campbell reveals to Sergeant Moss that he will hopefully give up where Freddie is hiding. Declaring his word to Thomas was meaningless and his campaign against the Shelbids has now become personal. He is a very serious man. Whilst visiting his mother's grave, Freddie is met by Polly. She warns him of Chapman's arrest and the deal Tommy made with Campbell tells her that Chapman doesn't know Freddie's address and so will be beaten for nothing until he dies, then declares he will not be leaving Birmingham unless it's in a wooden box, which on current form isn't exactly out of the question. Cue the dead body of Stanley Chapman hung up and beaten to death at the police station on Campbell's command. Kimber is in Shelby territory to meet Thomas. He's shown the backroom bookies and hands the family the papers to their first legal betting pitch, a cause for great celebration in the Shelby home. At the garrison, Grace assists Arthur with the books and finds out that the Shelbys store contraband near petrol boat moorings at junctions. Campbell and his officers raid moorings along the waterways but only uncover cigarettes and whiskey. Thomas pulls Grace about the question she's been asking Arthur. He leads her to church to talk. Once there, Thomas tells Grace he wants her to work for him as his assistant at the big race meetings and keep his books for him. However, he then declares that she's a liar, noting that she isn't a Catholic after all she walked in without making the sign of the cross. He points out this is the second time she's lied to him but he isn't concerned he then kisses her in the street thomas stops to offer john's fiance lizzie a lift he asks her why she hasn't told john she's been serving him as a prostitute for the last couple of years he offers her money as a farewell and for one last time together when she accepts thomas tells her to keep the money and get out of the car declaring he'll tell john what's just happened and the decision over her will be john's to make back at the art gallery campbell and grace catch up again he tells her they left the stolen contraband in place to keep her safe. She announces she's now Thomas's secretary and bookkeeper. Campbell warns her to remember who she's dealing with in Thomas, a vicious man. Grace is angered to be warned after a good work and walks away. Thomas breaks the news to John about Lizzie. Grace is given her first job by Thomas. She is to take an invitation to Ada at a bathhouse she regularly visits, offering a truce. Grace mentions she has a phone installed on the premises. John's broken into Tommy's room and is trying to smoke his opium pipe. He then tells Thomas he spoke to Lizzie and found out she's been servicing a couple of other regulars too. The following day, the Shelby gang meet as they head to settle things with the Lees. However, when they arrive, John is informed they're not to fight, but instead he is to get married to a Lee girl. Thomas explains the marriage unites the families in peace, and John begrudgingly agrees to the wedding. His worry quickly turns to joy when he's met by a young, pretty member of the Lee family called Esme. Ada attends the wedding too on the back of the invitation and truce. Freddy, though, stays well away. The night erupts into a raucous drinking, dancing, and scrapping. Typical wedding, then. As Ada dances and then drunkenly rips into her family, her waters break. She gives birth to a boy, and Freddie is given permission to come and see his wife by Thomas. Grace hears that Freddie is going to be attending the birth and nips to the newfangled phone to call Campbell and inform him of Freddie's presence. Freddie arrives to see Ada and his newborn son, but the tender moment is broken when the police burst in and drag him away. Fuming, Polly enters the garrison, blaming Thomas for the arrest. We begin as Thomas wanders the headstones of a graveyard, stopping at a simple wooden cross bearing the name Daniel Owen. That's whiz-bang, by the way. He glances around suspiciously, then continues on. Polly calls on Ada and the baby with some supplies. Ada ignores her knocking. When she returns home, Thomas insists it wasn't him who shot Freddy to the police, but Polly doesn't believe him. Grace is working on the Shelby business's books. Thomas marks a date in the diary with a black star, declaring it the day they take down Billy Kimber, but that no one in the family knows. Arthur and John visit a Backstreet Boxing Club and inform the owner he needs a licence. The owner tells him to stick it. Before things get heated, Arthur hears a familiar voice and turns to see his dad, Arthur Senior, wrapping up a fight having knocked the other fella out. Arthur brings Dad home in a mood that stinks the place out. Thomas tells him to get out and Arthur Senior leaves. Thomas and Arthur argue, Thomas declaring if Arthur wants to see their dad, he leaves too. At the garrison, Grace has questions about the books and Arthur, in another foolish move, lets slip that Danny Whizbang is still alive and working for them in London. She later visits the supposed grave of Danny Whizbang. Arthur Senior and Arthur Junior are drinking at the boxing club, with Senior talking about his time in America and how much money can be made over there. Declaring himself an old man with a dream, he begins to sell the idea of a casino and hotel to his son. Arthur takes a little convincing and announces he's in. Father and son then get in the ring, fully suited and booted, and fight each other. Dad gives Junior a beating before announcing to the gathered crowd how much he loves his son, and the pair hug. Back at the garrison, Thomas is approached by IRA man Byron, asking questions about the IRA man who was shot nearby. Byron claims he was the fella's cousin, and that he knows the Peaky Blinders have the stolen guns thanks to the running mouth of a drunken Danny Whizbang. Byron delivers an ultimatum. Thomas hands over the guns or will bring death to the Shelby's. Thomas admits to having the guns and for the right price he will part with them. Later Thomas meets with Inspector Campbell telling him about the visit from Byron and offering to hand the IRA man to the police. Arthur hands a bundle of cash to Arthur Senior and his dad says to meet him at the boxing ring on Friday. A frantic Thomas enters the garrison after hours telling Grace two IRA men are on the way with plans to kill him. He hands her a pistol and reveals a plan that when he gives a signal she emerges from the back room and points the gun at the would-be killer's. The men arrive. Whiskey is poured and Thomas divulges the location of the guns in exchange for cash. A pistol is pulled on Thomas. He raises a glass and declares to barmaids who don't count. Cue Grace entering the scene like Clint Eastwood, all guns blazing. She kills one of the IRA men, but Byron and Thomas end up in a vicious fight, with Thomas coming off worse. He flashes back to the horrors of the war in the tunnels, then finding the upper hand, delivers the most brutal of beatings, killing Byron. Thomas walks Grace home and apologises for an eventful evening. The next day, Grace meets Campbell. She declares something has changed inside her after killing the IRA men. She also says she knows where the guns are hidden and asks for Campbell's word that Thomas stays unharmed if the guns are recovered. He gives his word. In a montage, we see Campbell recover the guns from the false Danny Wisbang grave, Arthur getting stood up by his dad at the boxing club and Ada sitting alone with her baby. Campbell declares all but one gun has been recovered and Grace hands in a resignation. Campbell then offers her a ring in a proposal of marriage, stating he loves her. However, she tells him no, resulting in Campbell angrily asking if it's because of Thomas. Grace offers no answer. Arthur catches his dad at the station, preparing to leave. He finds out Arthur Senior has spun him a web of lies and demands his money back. His dad is having none of it, though, and the two-tussle, with Arthur Senior getting the better of his son, and Junior having no choice but to walk away. Back home, Polly confronts Arthur about giving his dad £500. She adds that Thomas doesn't know, but Arthur's got to tell him. Thomas finds the gun's gone. At the police station, Campbell gives an impassioned speech about how they'll punish Thomas Shelby for stealing the guns and rid the city of him and his kind. At the garrison, Thomas tells Grace he's leaving to lie low for a while, but before he can get a fond farewell, he's told the police are already moving in on them. Campbell enters the pub armed and looking for Thomas. When nobody's willing to give him up, Campbell has the barman put on his knees and holds the gun to his head, being told Thomas and Grace have left. Shaken, Campbell calls the officers off. Outside Grace's home, Campbell sees her and Thomas together at a window and walks away. Back inside, Grace and Thomas have sex. At the boxing club, a distraught Arthur is alone. He fashions a noose and attempts to hang himself, but the rope snaps and he drops to the floor gasping for breath. Campbell gets a message to Churchill that the guns are recovered, but he still has another matter to clear up before he leaves. Thomas visits Arthur, noticing the bruising from the noose and tells him he should have used a gun. He then breaks the news that Arthur owns a third of the business along with himself and John and that they stand to be rich. He adds that he's heard Campbell is leaving town. We close with a shot of business as usual within the Shelby home as Thomas contemplates with a smile his blossoming empire. We begin with Mr Campbell paying a visit to Mr Zhang's brothel. He awkwardly tells Zhang he knows the true nature of the business being run there. Elsewhere, Thomas is doing the rounds informing the gang that today's the day they take Billy Kimber down. Polly prays they all see the end of the day still breathing. As Campbell enjoys the company of a prostitute at Zhang's brothel, Grace visits the museum expecting to see him there. She's instead met by Sergeant Moss who places a letter in her hand, calls her a whore and leaves, the old charmer. The letter from Campbell states that she's committed treason by sleeping with Thomas Shelby and that her father would be disgusted. Back in the brothel, Campbell gets rough with the young prostitute, seemingly ashamed immediately afterwards. Thomas arrives at Zhang's brothel come laundrette to collect suits and is informed Campbell is there. He ventures behind the scenes to see him. Campbell reveals he's meeting Winston Churchill that very day to be congratulated on retrieving the guns, laughing that Thomas still has no idea how he found them. Thomas suggests he got lucky, to which Campbell drops a pretty big breadcrumb of a hint by informing Thomas he will have his heart broken by the day's end just as his own was. Polly opens up to Ada how she had her own children, Sally and Michael, taken away from her by police. She tells Ada to forgive Thomas and that there's something she should know about today. Cut to Freddie in his cell being told he's to be a free man. Churchill meets with Campbell, stating he's put him forward for the New Year honours list. He asks about Grace and whether she too deserves commendation. Campbell says she does. When asked about the Peaky Blinders, Campbell states trials would be a bad idea and that he's got his own plans for them. At a meeting, Thomas goes through his plan to dethrone Kimber. They will head to Worcester Races under the premise of protection for Kimber's men from the Lee clan. Instead, though, the blinders and the Lees take Kimber's men out. As the meeting comes to a close, Polly opens a door and welcomes Ada and a new baby Carl back into the family fold. Ada forgives Thomas for what happened to Freddy. On the road from the prison, Freddy is sprung by Danny Whizbang, much to his surprise as he thought Danny was dead. At the garrison, Thomas tells Grace she may be at the next family meeting. Uncomfortable, she tries to explain about her betrayal, but is interrupted when word arrives that Billy Kimber's men are en route. A frantic Thomas and Polly realise Grace has betrayed them, as she was the only other person who knew about the plan to hit Kimber. Polly stops Grace in the garrison and informs her they know who she is. Grace pulls a gun, declaring herself an agent of the Crown who will use force if Polly doesn't move. Polly paints a picture of who she believes Grace to be, resulting in Grace offering her a fistfight instead. Polly tells her to pour them both a drink. She lets Grace know that although Thomas may accept her into the family once all this is over, she never will, adding that if she ever sees her again, she'll kill her. On the streets outside, the Peaky Blinders prepare for a showdown. Thomas delivers a heartfelt speech that they defend the garrison despite being outnumbered three to one. At the police station, Sergeant Moss is told by Campbell that all officers nearby be stood down and the approaching vehicles be allowed to pass. Kimber's men stride down the street led by Billy Kimber himself. Thomas leads the blinders to meet them. Thomas says it doesn't have to be this way, but Kimber is unwavering. Cue Freddy striding out behind the group carrying the last missing machine gun in a bid to even the playing field a tad. The gang raise weapons in a standoff. The tension's broken when Ada pushes baby Carl in his pram between the two groups. She tells everyone present they'll all have family waiting for them after the bloodshed is over and to think about those people. Standing in no man's land, she declares she and her baby will not move. Kimber surprisingly admits she's right. All these men should not die. It should only be those who have caused this. He pulls a pistol and shoots Thomas, putting a second bullet into Danny Wisbang who dashed forward to protect his friend. As Kimber offers his men a celebratory smile, Thomas steps forward, raises his pistol and puts a bullet into Kimber's head, killing him. Everyone lowers guns as Thomas declares the one-on-one battle is over. Grace visits Campbell at the police station looking for answers. Campbell admits he told Thomas about her. Back at the garrison, a bullet is pulled from Thomas's shoulder. Everyone stands over the body of Danny Wisbang, raising a toast to him, the man who died twice. Elsewhere, Sergeant Moss breaks the news to Campbell that Kimber has been found dead and that Freddie Thorne had escaped thanks to the Peaky Blinders. He states that as the police were stood down, there would be no witnesses. Campbell remains silent. He later calls Churchill, declaring he's made a decision about his future. Thomas visits Grace's flat. She's still there. Grace tells him she's in love with him, but is told there is no chance. She hands him an address in London and tells him to join her there when his business in Birmingham is complete. Later at the garrison, Thomas reveals to Polly that it was easy for the Lee men to take the pitches from Kimber in Worcester as his men were engaged here. He adds that the Shelby Brothers Limited are now the third biggest legal racetrack operation in the country, only shadowed by Darby Sabini and Alfred Solomons. Hmm, Where could this be heading? Thomas pens a letter to Grace, revealing he'll give her his decision about their future in three days' time. At the station, Grace is met on the platform by Campbell. He pulls a pistol on her, a gunshot rings out, and we cut to black. Blimey. Thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Listen, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you subscribed. We've got loads more shows where this came from and we'd love you to join us for them. A five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from would also be absolutely fantastic. If you've got any feedback or ideas for a show that we should be covering, we'll almost certainly be doing the big ones, but you never know. There may be others that we've missed. Let us know. I'd love to hear from you over on Twitter. You can find us at Previous Podcast or just email us hello at previouslyon.co.uk. Previously On is presented by Jamie East and it's a Daft Doris production.